0: I
1: declare the scripture Zechariah 2.5 over Faith City Outreach, where the Lord says, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Dr. Louina Bayer from Civility Experts Incorporated which is an international organization that is recognized as the leading expert on civility in the marketplace or in the workplace for more than 20 years. Thank you so much, Dr. Bayer, for being on Faith City Outreach to share how the Lord has blessed Civility Experts Incorporated since 1999 and how it continues to help hundreds of organizations build better workplaces.
2: Hello, thank you so much for having me. Dr. Bayer, when did God call you to this global leadership
1: position in organizational work through Civility Experts Incorporated?
2: Well, I would say uh, about 2009, you know, I started the business in 1999 with a business partner and we had a particular path we were on and for whatever reason, the partnership didn't work out and I found myself sort of revisiting what my goals and uh, purpose was. And I was struck at that time to shift from teaching just etiquette and social skills to a larger scope uh, solution, which is civility. And since that decision, uh, which I believe I was uh, compelled and called um, to that purpose, uh, my life and my work, uh, what I perceive to be some influence has shifted significantly and all in very positive ways.
1: And how did you respond to the call? Was it an easy call to just go through it
2: and accept it? No, it was not easy. I think it took me a little bit of time to recognize because at, at that time it required my essentially breaking up with a woman I perceived to be a best friend of mine and a significant financial loss and breaking apart our business at the time. Um, you know, when you choose this kind of path, many people uh, that you think will support and endorse you uh, end up, I, I think, falling away. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't um, have the courage to support. And so I found it was a very difficult, lonely time, in fact um in the end of course well worth it and you find your your uh, you know people who share your values at some point and i was fortunate in that regard but i would say it was very difficult in the beginning i was unaware um and i didn't realize until i think 5 years in that it was what i was called to do that it was a purpose i know your organization
1: helps other organizations with a focus on social intelligence and culturally competent communication. Now, you have a team um, that are called Civility Experts, which includes 501 affiliates in 48 countries. Could you share a little bit about that focus?
2: Sure. So, um, we have several different um, divisions of the company. One uh, is In Good Company, that's focused on teaching children um, essential. Uh, soft skills but the core of our business is civility experts and we have a team as you mentioned um, represented in 48 countries about 502 as of yesterday what we call affiliates who are licensees sort of like a franchise but uh, they use our intellectual property our curriculum our philosophy they share our values and they go into workplaces in their communities and countries and try to teach uh, respectful workplace civility, what I would describe as human kindness, because how you treat people matters. And we spend a great deal of time at work these days, and um, the quality of those relationships, the way organizations exhibit and live their values, impacts us in our you know personal relationships, our home, our community, and so on.
1: What is social intelligence for those people who don't? Uh know about social
2: intelligence? So social intelligence is one of four skills that underpin the ability to be civil and many people don't understand that civility is a measurable competency that you can teach people uh, to be to be civil. I mean certainly there's a mindset and a values proposition involved as well but in workplace where you can't always control people's attitude the idea is that we try to shift their behavior such that they experience the benefit of a humankind or positive or, um, um, you know, in, in my circle, Christian um, values. And once they experience that, they shift their own attitude and mindset. So social IQ is an aspect of skill where we teach people to read verbal, nonverbal, tonal, and contextual cues. It requires being present, which as you and your audience may understand is in deficit these days because we're very focused on our screens and our technology, and we've lost what I would describe as human touch or high-touch communication skills. And so social intelligence teaches you to be present, to Interact with people in such a way that you make them feel valued. And it is a skill that is in high demand and can have significant difference to the quality of our relationships and communications.
1: Now, was this skill always a skill that needed to be taught, or did society lose this skill?
2: Oh, I I believe Society lost this skill. So, for example, um, I'm you know of a generation where we didn't have as much technology, and we still spent most evenings, sometimes even breakfast, um, with our family, and so we interacted at the table. And you learned, for example, that when my dad raised his eyebrow ever so slightly, that meant something, or when my mother shifted her body weight a certain way, that there was a tone implied there. We were. It, you know, in a room where you could experience what others were experiencing. And we learned compassion and empathy by way of being in the room and feeling with people and paying attention um, through no fault really of any, um, any individual person. I think we've, you know, with two parents, sometimes working three jobs between them and relying on the iPad as a babysitter some of the time and Um, less social interaction of quality. You know, we're doing sports events and interacting. Some people describe it as social online, but it's not the same. And when you add generational differences and cultural differences, people are not as tuned to experiencing the experience and feelings of others as we used to. So I believe that it's a skill that needs to be taught, and we're teaching it as early as age five in kindergarten. Um, as one quick example, if a child at age four or five learns to look at a person, they most often have a natural inclination to see if that person is upset or hurt or wounded in some way. But if we don't teach them to be present, um, those natural tendencies to be humankind uh, are lost you know as early as age six or seven and we get bullying and all kinds of other experiences that, Um, we're we're not paying attention to. Do you think the modern
1: world uh, today, since there is, since we use technology every day and we are dependent on it, do you think that has prevented us from um, the social skills that are needed to, um, well, to have that, you know, civility social skill?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think we have the um, aptitude. We have the, um, you know, the the wherewithal in terms of our mental ability and so forth to learn those skills again. But it's not just that lack of social experience. In addition, it's um, the way we live today, influence of media and so on. There's this immediate gratification. There's this self indulgence, and so. Um, Dr. Forney, who was a mentor to me, he's considered a founding father in the field of civility. He suggests that respect, restraint, and responsibility are the three tenets that underpin Uh, civility. And I would agree with that. You know, this restraint is a big reason, a lack of restraint rather, why we're not focused on each other and paying attention. We're looking for the next shiny thing. When's the next version of the iPhone coming out? You know, what's the next series on Netflix? You know, we're spending our time and our energy catching up, you know, and kind of managing the pace of change or trying to. And we're really losing our, 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 Capacity to be human, I think, in many ways, there's this sort of automated check your phone every six seconds, and you know, we're it's this kind of this routine disengagement. It's very difficult uh, socially these days.
1: What is culturally competent communication?
2: So, cultural competence. Thank you for asking. Is another of the four skills. Just briefly, the four skills that underpin civility are social intelligence cultural competence, continuous learning, and systems thinking. And so cultural competence, the way we teach it at Civility Experts, goes way beyond understanding that there are differences between people. Cultural competence from a civility point of view means that we learn what differences make a difference, and there are actually very few. We learn how to embrace and accept um, and engage with with each other in spite of those differences and to value them in ways that maybe we didn't anticipate there was value. So a key part of cultural competence, which I'm sure will resonate with you, is that when we teach civility, we want people to understand that respect is not something you should ever need to earn. Respect is something that we're all deserving of because we're human and on the planet. We each have value, we each have gifts, I don't have to understand your belief system or um, how you live or what religion you practice. I don't have to know it or understand it, but I have to accept that we're each allowed to be who we are um, unless it harms someone else and that I don't have to understand to accept. Um, But I do have to acknowledge that from a human being point of view, we are all equal in value. Trust is something different, and when we teach civility, we teach trust-building behaviors, how to repair trust, because you do have to earn trust. It's not the same as respect. Um, But I would say that if if people would just take the approach that respect should never be earned, our quality of relationships in life, all of the time we spend focused on differences, could be alleviated to a huge extent.
1: How do civility experts assess their success while helping organizations build a better workplace?
2: Well, I would say that, that um, you know, part of our strategy is we use a, a very specific strategic evaluation process. You know, we always want to measure what I call return on investment, but also return on character so when we leave a workplace, we're always coming back 30 or 60 or 90 days later, if possible, and trying to measure the extent to which people transferred the behavior change and used it at work and applied it in their home life and in their community when they're driving, when they're at the grocery store, when they're at a sporting event. you know, To what extent did civility impact bottom line metrics? And we see that When we improve civility, we improve trust. And when we improve trust, we improve collaboration and retention and engagement and all of those really meaty, meaningful, measurable bottom line metrics. And sadly or not, one of the reasons I think workplaces initially engage in civility training is because they see from the research that there's a tangible bottom line impact. And if money is what drives the decision in the first place, I'm actually okay with that. Whatever it takes to get us in the door, because inevitably the people impact always ends up outweighing the monetary impact. And so, you know, you can have a bit of both, you know, civility, you know, it doesn't mean that people shouldn't earn a living. Um, but, But I find that whatever it takes to start the conversation um, I'm happy to have the conversation and the impact is always um, significant and measurable.
1: Now, who is your audience? I know you help organizations. Are there just a variety of audience or a variety of organizations that you help? Or do you tend to, um, it, maybe not you, but the organizations, do they are they like one type of organization or a certain type of
2: organizations that come and seek your help? Well, thank you for asking that too. Actually, um, depending on the affiliate, some of the affiliates have um, training in specific areas. So, some work mostly with academic groups, mostly with community. Um, our focus at our head office is, is civility at work. And so, we work across sectors um, you know, everything from legal to mining to healthcare to Um, pharmaceutical to banking to, you know, across sectors, hospitality, tourism, there's demand um, in almost every industry. But um, I would say that increasingly, um, because individuals are seeing the value, organizations that would not have typically asked for civility training, uh, the research is showing that employees are asking for civility there's a recognition that they want to do better and be better. And if employers will offer the training, there's a, there's a huge uptake.
1: And what is your length of training?
2: So it depends. You know, um, my view is that there is not a single individual who cannot benefit from some measure of social intelligence training, you know, to polish their social radar, um, to learn to adapt and monitor their social style or to build their social knowledge, written and unwritten rules. So sometimes as a way of getting our foot in the door, we'll recommend what I would call an orientation to civility, which incorporates a little bit of that social IQ so that they can see some immediate impact. And you can get some of that with a lunch and learn session. Um, You can get that with a half day. And then oftentimes we're called back to do a more um, significant or holistic assessment and identify some root cause and go back and train in one or more of those strategic competencies related to civility. So it becomes targeted. Um, But I would say, again, even just a general conversation about the definitions and the words, you know, there's such power in the words for an organization to look at their company values and if respect is one of them, for us to have a one-hour conversation with the work team about what does respect mean really and how do you exhibit it and to bring them back to that definition of value can have significant impact and then we can get into some targeted training after that.
1: So is that how you start really is talking about respect?
2: Yes. And, you know, if I'm frank about it, we often like to start with the leadership team because my view is you can throw all kinds of time and money. You can have a brilliant and beautiful long-term training plan But at the end of the day, if the leadership and the people being trained do not really value people, if they do not truly understand that respect is something that you give without expectation of return, then we're going to have a very hard time um, getting meaningful impact. And I don't, I almost said I don't care, which sounds rude, but it can be change management. It can be generational training. It can be collaboration or managing it doesn't matter conflict whatever you think your training solution is i promise you if people are not fully engaged and they do not value each other you will not get appropriate transfer of that learning in a meaningful way and so i think that conversation is significant and critical
1: and you probably don't see the unity within the whole organization or place that you're that you're helping right if they don't value Respect.
2: Correct. Correct. Sometimes there's a lot of lip service or a do what I say, not what I do, or the rules apply to middle or lower um, empl- lower level employees, but executive um, acts as though they have earned the right to be disrespectful or a different set of rules applies. And you're just not going to build trust that way. People will work there or work for those leaders because they have an obligation or they need to put food on the table. But at the end of the day, There's going to be mistrust, there's gonna be misalignment of goals, productivity is lowered, workplace wellness suffers, um, all all kinds of issues ensue. And I believe that many leaders opt not to take responsibility for that. They choose to blame economy or they'll say that that people are um, lazy or disillusioned or irresponsible. There's all kinds of excuse making But over 20 years in the field, I would say that if people are not performing well, if goals are not being met, much of the time, it has more to do with will than skill. And the willingness arises or a lack of willingness often out of toxic workplace or mistrust or uncivil treatment.
1: What or how do you confront the challenges from leaders who don't agree with Your training?
2: Well, happily, um, I have the the good fortune of relying on an excellent resource and uh, research team. And there is so much credible research now related to this. You know, we see, for example, CDC, um, U.S. CDC had said that by 2020, um, the that depression in workplace, which ties to stress at work, which ties to incivility at work, would be second only to ischemic heart disease as the leading cause of workplace illness. That's significant and huge and terrifying and troubling because it's manageable. Um, You know, we can make workplaces civil, reduce the stress, reduce depression. But depression, you know, on a continuum, if seven of 10, as was the suggestion Work put, working adults are struggling to get out of bed and struggling to make decisions. They can't put a sentence together and they can't complete their daily tasks. How are workplaces going to manage that? And so to answer your, your question, the research speaks for the business case. And there's a lot of really credible statistics and research, a lot of um, frontline case studies and you know validation of what we've known for 20 plus years um, is now becoming um, sort of evident to workplaces who at this point have no choice but to take on civility if they expect to thrive in the new world of work it's we're beyond trying to survive now
1: so have you ever confronted um, let's say a organization that sought your your help and then they realized they didn't agree but yet you just told them look if you don't Really agree with this, then your your organization is not going to thrive. It's not going to change.
2: Oh, ab- absolutely. We're we're frequently, I would say, about thirty percent of the time, we say no to opportunities because when we do our workplace audit, if we see things like uh, people are expected to work in unsafe conditions, or there is overt um, harassment not being addressed if there is um, overt inequality and uh, an obvious inequity in terms of how people are being treated and paid, um, if we hear certain verbiage and language and the leadership will not start there and address those, what I would call low-level but basic requirements to be humane at work, then I won't take their money. I know we're not going to get the impact we want, but it feels like sort of a sweeping the real issue under the rug, Um, you know, civility, it's, you have to put be able to put into practice. It's not, we can't just talk about it. Um, It requires some hard decision-making, some investment in terms of time and and money. And many, many organizations think that they can fake it and you, you just cannot. Um, So those basic things in terms of equity and equality, safety, um, fair play, you know, if, if you're not going to treat everybody uh, well and the same, then I mean, I can't work with you. I just can't. And sometimes we discover some falsehoods and we have to fire customers halfway through. But um, I would say, for the most part, um, organizations that are perceived to be toxic, it's because their policies and procedures, the way that they have engaged in business for a long time, has become habit and they weren't aware of the consequences. They were just carrying on, you know, sometimes holding on by their fingernails. And my assessment is that most business leaders want to do good and they will do good if they know what good is. Um, But there are not enough people willing to say what good is and hold them to a standard. Do you
1: ever go back to the organization you help just to see how they're doing and um, just to monitor their success?
2: Oh, yes. Whenever they'll have us back, we're we're happy to go back. And um, we have organizations that we've worked with for uh, several years, you know, seven, eight years. You know, employee pools change. There's always work to do. Um, I think that's one of the reasons, in fact, some organizations don't take on civility because it's a change initiative and you're never really finished, right? The, The diversity of the work team changes, the technology changes, the job descriptions and expectations for communication change. So you're constantly having, this is where continuous learning as a key component of civility comes into play. You have to be able to teach people how to teach themselves and how to learn and be curious and ask questions. And because we're so reliant on technology, believe it or not, that's a competency that many adults have lost, Um, you know, young people even. uh, If they can't Google it, um, they don't know where to start getting the information they need. Um, And there's some fearfulness about um, not having ready at hand information too. So we do teach continuous learning as part of a civility initiative. Um, and if they'll have us back, though, yes, absolutely, we will. will live in that organization as long as they need us.
1: For someone who doesn't know the term well, how would you describe what civility
2: is, and why should we care about it? So we have a definition of uh, civility, and it's a um, three-prong definition. Um, we encourage people, like when we're working in organizations, you have to define civility in such a way that it's meaningful to that context. So for example, a daycare might define civility a little bit different, you know, maybe simpler language, um, maybe more related to kindness. But Mm -hmm. um, for us generally, and this is a definition that we devised over 24 years now in the field that translates well, all of our affiliates endorse and support it. Um, we use it in in some of our global initiatives as well. But civility is three-pronged. It's a conscious awareness of the impact of your thoughts, actions, words, combined with a continuous acknowledgement of one's responsibility to ease the experience of others. Um, And I'll come back to that in a a moment. And the third piece is a consistent effort to adopt and exhibit civil civil behavior as a non-negotiable point of character. So, We want people to understand that if you choose civility, it's part of who you are. It's not just what you do, that you're continually trying to ease the experience of others. So there's a service orientation related to civility where other focused, you know, it's what can I do? What can I give um, that aspect of um, gratitude, but also grace and generosity. And, It's something that you have to be consistent with. You can't just be civil on Tuesday and Sunday. Um, It's something that is meaningless unless there's a consistent effort to exhibit civil behavior. And so many people use our definition, um, but we would encourage people to consider defining civility in a way that it marries up with your personal values and your organizational values. Um, If you Google it, there's probably 200 definitions of civility, but ours is written in such a way that it's a measurable competency. You know, we have metrics that tie back um, to the definition so we can follow through on it and teach the behavior. How would you describe what society might look
1: like five to 10 years from now? Based on your experience traveling and training civility?
2: You know, I have the good fortune of being involved in some global projects and um, the network of individuals and organizations. uh, Some call it kindness. Some call it peacekeeping. You know, we call it all kinds of things, but there's an uh, enormous body of people, I think, engaging in this work sort of on the same mission with the same purpose as as I have just maybe calling it something different and i am uh, incredibly optimistic i see you know 5 or 10 years from now i imagine at least i hope um, for a world where people all understand respect the same way i do where the focus is human hyphen kindness you know that we're people first Um, In every aspect of how we live and um, I do see glimmers of that as I travel different places around the world. There's no question there's work to do, um, but I am cautiously optimistic. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach
1: and with today's special guest, Dr. Loena Bayer from Civility Experts Incorporated, which is an international organization that is recognized as the leading expert on civility in the workplace for more than 20 years. We are talking about how God has blessed Civility Experts Incorporated since 1999 and how it continues to help hundreds of organizations build better workplaces. Dr. Bayer, what do you believe is the one thing that could positively impact our experience as human beings at work, at home, in the community?
2: The one thing that I think could positively impact would be this um, aspect of restraint that Dr. Forney talks about. You know, people are busy and tired and stressed. You know, myself included, some days we tend to wear busy like a badge. Um, And I think if we could... Pause for a moment, and you know some people might argue, but I think that um, it's interesting this whole pandemic that we're experiencing at this moment. Really, for me, gives us cause to pause. You know, slow down a little bit. You know, reconsider our our values and how we're spending our time and energy and and money. And I really think that a, f- a few moments of quiet contemplation um, could really change our experience daily.
1: And what does that mean, quiet contemplation? Because some people will even have their phones right beside them and they consider that quiet contemplation.
2: Yes, and I I think I mean alone in the room with no no technology, you know, sitting on the front lawn, you know, barefoot in the grass or, you know, out in nature or, you know, in a room with another individual, um, you know, soak up their human energy as opposed to the, you know, vibration from the technology. Um, just a few minutes of of um, enjoying the empty. I think, kind of just um, you know, some people would call it prayer. Some people call it meditation. And I know there's a lot of talk about all of that, kind of in in kind of mainstream um, as a as a practice. But I see it more as a, an aspect of a person's character and of their their being more so, again, something that you do, um, not, pardon me, something that you are more so than something that you do, right? To me, it's a mindset.
1: To what extent do you think leaders have a responsibility to demonstrate civility?
2: Um, well, this is an interesting conversation. You know, I um, when people are assigned that label as leadership my view is that they take on the responsibility of behaving in a way that reflects a high standard and civility, and that they're working to ease the experience of others, sort of a do no harm uh, mentality, which I know in practice is not always as easy as it as it would seem. Um, but I would also suggest that each of us is a leader, and you know self-identifying as a leader, we're all also, Um, accountable for our own experience and for contributing positively to the experience of others and if those that we label leaders are behaving badly, um, for me as a Canadian I was always taught that silence is permission and we need to use our voice, we need to um, hold people to a standard, we need to um, exhibit that high standard ourselves such that uh, it's not a double standard that we expect different of others. Um, And I think that we have to make choices about uh, what we define as leadership as well. Um, It's, you know, just having the title, um, I don't think um, many people are not deserving of the power and influence that the title brings, but we give it to them regardless, and I think that's problematic.
1: Right, and even if we don't have the title, we still have a responsibility to demonstrate civility.
2: Absolutely.
1: I know you are involved with Global Goodwill Ambassadors, so please share the purpose of this organization
2: and how it is benefiting the community. So um, I am just just thrilled um, um, to, to be a part of this organization. And I have not been part for very long, but I understand that there's, you know, tens of thousands now this massive network of humanitarians with uh, global goodwill ambassadors. And it's this way of, as I mentioned earlier, all of these people, this growing network, and that's one organization as an example, but uh, people who are coming together to share um, the good work that they're doing to support each other. I know that there's some um, fundraising, you know, some charitable work that the organization does. Um, uh, as well, but every individual um, in his or her own work or community or country that's part of that uh, humanitarian network um, has an opportunity to share and grow and teach. And I think the teaching component um, is is one of the pieces of global goodwill that I'm particularly enamored with. Um, every time I log on and see posts on LinkedIn, um, but also their um, training. Uh, programs and so forth. It's incredible opportunities uh, for growth and to learn about all of these humanitarian endeavors.
1: Now is your, this work uh, similar to what you're doing now in uh, civility experts incorporated?
2: Um, yes, but of course, uh um, global goodwill is a much broader scope and huge tremendous reach relative to our little company. Um, but yes, um, many people again, don't understand that civility is not just manners. So on the continuum at the one end we might be teaching a five-year-old table manners, but at the opposite end, um, we're working um, with different organizations to help teach peacekeepers and civil dialogue in diplomatic situations. So, um, um, you know, I'm stunned still to learn. I uh, was talking about in a lecture yesterday that, you know, some estimated 35,000 people still die every day in genocides around the world. And it's that kind of humanitarian work um, organizations um, involved with global goodwill ambassadors are bringing awareness to. Um, and that's just one piece of it. This, this, you know, to me, the um, experience exposure might not be the right word, but the awareness raising, um, I feel like I am a better person in terms of my knowledge gain just in the short time I've been part of that network. Give us an example of a teaching component in the uh,
1: Global Goodwill Ambassadors. Oh, gosh, where do I start? So, just
2: any, any teaching component. Um, well, I... I believe the most recent piece I saw is, um, my body, my, oh gosh. Um, there's an initiative that we've just been encouraging our, um, our affiliates to be involved in. Um, I want to make sure I say that the exact, the exact word, um, I'm sure that it's, I'm sure that it's the, my body, my life. Uh, initiative for young girls I'm sorry I'm ashamed that I don't know exactly oh no problem. Um, they, have so- so, yeah, they, they have so many amazing initiatives and um, I know that there's the soil project that I've just learned of in the last week which is S.O.I.L. meaning serving others in love and there's some training related to that too it's it relates to uh, some work that's happening in Honduras um, but there's many, many programs, and we're fortunate enough to have one of our programs called I Choose Civility that was just accepted um, on that education platform for Global Goodwill Ambassadors as well. So, um, of course, I want to encourage people to to uh, look at that course. It's There's no fee, um, but it's about learning about civility in your community and so on.
1: That's great. What is coming
2: next for
1: you? Um, can you tell us about the World Citizen Alliance?
2: Oh, yes. Thank you so much. There's um, a, a global initiative that I'm working on now with. It's spearheaded by some uh, partners that we have in China and throughout Asia. And um, my affiliate, Jesse, um, Jesse Lynn Brown out of Taiwan is a co-founder of it. But um, the Global Citizen Project is intended to be a knowledge share program. Uh, The work is that there are gurus and people like you who have a a platform that um, Global Citizen, the World Citizen Project rather, would aim to make your content and um, good work and service related to humanity and civility, all of this, this, even Goodwill Ambassadors programs, Um, accessible all over the world. So they promote um, technology development and education, free access to uh, learning, but from a global perspective, so that I could be in my little office in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and people from, you know, up to 150 countries at any one time could all be logged in and sharing their stories and knowledge and teaching and so on. It's it's this incredible um, knowledge share project. I hope that's making sense. Um, and I we're launching in in August um, out of uh, Shanghai and Taiwan, and it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to change the way people learn about some of these topics that people perceive to be soft. Um, and there's some technical. Um, education components as well. But um, thank you for asking about that. And then a little bit closer to home, just briefly, um, we'll continue to promote the Power of One uh, Transformation TV courses and the Power of One initiative, which is this aspect of personal responsibility that you mentioned uh, for leaders and individuals. We have a book and a course, and it's um, my passion project, A Little Closer to Home. Please
1: share a little bit about that book. You said you um, it's been out for a little while, and um, it's called "The Power of One." Book. Can you tell us a little bit more details
2: about it? Thank you. So, the, the power of one um, offers some tried and tested strategies for how um, individuals can, you know, take responsibility really and choose civility, and um, it really it's about how. Choosing civility can change your life, you know, how I believe in the power of one, you know, one thoughtful gesture, one kind word, one moment of courage. Uh, One courageous decision, you know, as an example, we reference in the book, Einstein said that the hardest decision you'll ever make is choosing whether you live in a hostile universe, or a friendly universe, and your choice, you know, the decision you make that one decision can change. Um, the overall experience uh, for you in your life and for everyone that you come in contact with. So the book covers off these different strategies related to the power of, of one. Um, and we've had pretty good feedback about the book. And there's a, a, a course on Transformation TV. It really captures my personal view of what civility looks like day to day. And is it mostly for organizations? No, in fact, power of one is for more for individuals. Wow, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And um, Dr.
1: Bayer, how can listeners get a hold of you if they are interested in having you or your team help their organization?
2: Well, thank you. The main site is civilityexperts.com or they could Google me, Luena, L-E-W-E-N-A Bayer. LinkedIn, I'm uh, Dr. Lou Bayer. Um, We're pretty easy to find if you type in civility at work in Google, uh, pardon me, Google, we pop up as well. Um, And then if you're on Amazon, I think there are 16 books now um, related to this topic that we've published in the last four years. So quite a bit of um, opportunity to find us.
1: What would be the one book that you would recommend an organization?
2: Uh, One book for organization, I would say the 30% solution, which um, describes, you know, the business case for civility. It's on Amazon. Um, How to start a civility initiative. There's lots of easy tools and uh, strategies that workplaces can implement very quickly and easily at very little cost, um, all incorporated in that book.
1: Dr. Bayer, I know Civility Experts Incorporated is an international organization. Do you ever get um, organizations from different countries like any Asian countries?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, Because we have an affiliate network, Um, we travel, I travel about 250 days a year um, teaching and lecturing, and then when it's appropriate, the affiliates in whatever country um, the organization is inquiring from sometimes they deliver or I co-deliver because sometimes language is an issue and we have to translate materials and so on. But yes, uh, we do uh, work all over the world. In fact, um, our, a couple of our programs now are delivered at the University of Taiwan. Uh, we're in discussions with University of Fez in Morocco. Um, it's uh, civility is, I think, um, valued increasingly anywhere you go in the world.
1: Now, do you find it um, that when you go to um, different countries where they have different cultural backgrounds and different beliefs, that your, that the term civility is challenging for them to accept because of their cultural background?
2: Yes, yes. And and how do you, you confront so. that? Thank you. So um, in some places, in fact, uh, we don't call it civility. In some places, okay. the focus is on uh, words like respect in some uh, cases I work with um, um, uh, different groups, and we reference people treatment. In some cases, it's social capital. Um, in some cases, it's relational wealth. Some places, it's collaboration. You know, we it's sold to organizations depending on what language is most appropriate for them, what's going to be meaningful. But I think at the end of the day, organizations, for the most part, and individuals that engage us understand um, that it's about being human and human at work or human at school or human at home and humane um, to whatever extent that's applicable in the context. And so often there's a value share. And once we sort out the vocabulary, um, things actually go pretty quickly and easily. That's great.
1: What would be something that we haven't talked about or discussed about the work that you do, Dr. Bayer?
2: Um, well, I, I think many people don't know that uh, we have a publishing arm um, because one of the the reasons I think people don't know good or don't choose well sometimes make good decisions is because there's a lot of... Um, books and materials, a lot of media, a lot of television that I would say is not really conducive to fostering civility. And so um, because we were having difficulty finding um, quality materials that really encouraged people to be better and do better, we now support authors and organizations who want to produce those materials. And um, I've been really overwhelmed by how many people have a positive civil, humane, kind message and um, now would have a platform to, to have those works published. That's something that I'm particularly proud of that we've uh, achieved in the last four or five years. Um, I would also say that um, all of our affiliates around the world um, work hard to donate some of their time and talent and to give back to um, community. Um, we, we do quite a bit of Um, no fee work, which uh, I think because we've had some success in in workplace, we now have the ability to to do some of that. Um, And so I would encourage people who want a little bit of support who might not have a training budget to consider reaching out anyway, that there might be some way that we can help you. Um, And one of the ways is through some online courses and things that are no fee, for example, through Uh, global goodwill ambassadors and there's brilliant um, training uh, there unrelated to me too that I would encourage everybody to take a look at Um, and I don't know I could probably go on for three days thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you think what's going on today that organizations and businesses schools do you think this will give them a time to reflect on their civility at their place
2: Oh I hope so. I, I think that it's good that we have a couple of weeks here, you know, shut down for two or three days. We just focus on kind of the panic elements. Mm-hmm. You know, how is it gonna impact finances? You know, how are we gonna get our um our our coffee through the drive through? You know, these some of these things that seem a little silly when you consider that people are dying, you, you know, and um, that it's great hardship for some other people. But I think the fact that we have some of us two weeks or 30 days or six weeks to to reflect, I hope that we can get over that initial sort of uh, pity party and kind of feeling sorry for ourselves, not again to diminish the impact uh, for some people, but there are people who are experiencing incredible hardship um, on a daily basis, regardless of a pandemic. And I think that we need to give that some thought. Dr. Bear, what would be something or
1: how would you encourage people right now, the listeners right now, we haven't taken a training from you, but what can you say that we can do now at home regarding compassion, regarding kindness, regarding just being civil with each other, even just at home, where panic is so high and we can just lose our control?
2: Yes. And I, I think, you know, at home with our family, we need to uh, be kind and patient and um, try not to judge that initial, you know, panic if if people are worried about where they're going to get their favorite food or, you know, whatever it happens to be that might seem a little um, silly to, to us on the surface. Um, I think we need to, uh, you know, civility starts at home and exercise that kind of empathy and kindness to our family members. But I also think um, kind of looking out the window, um, if, if there's an elderly person or somebody, a neighbor who might have even less access than we have, who might be alone and um, not have family around or support somebody who maybe is not online um, because there is some value to that online touch point uh, in, in cases like this. But I think reaching out and seeing who around us um, might need some additional support. Uh, leaving a you know pot of hot soup on their doorstep, even those kind of things, I think are helpful.
1: That's great, Dr. Bear. Thank you so much for being on Faith City Outreach and for the great global work that you're doing and um, that you're going to continue to do. Um, I just uh, would like for you to just end in
2: prayer for whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for. Oh, thank you, Marina. All right, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless us with grace as we work together to navigate the current pandemic. And we ask for courage to look beyond what we perceive as inconveniences and hardships that we face as a result. We pray for courage to focus instead on what we have to be grateful for, to be present to our families and neighbors, and to spend time in quiet contemplation, to seek ways to be of service to others. We ask for wisdom to carry these lessons forward and to strive every day to be humankind. Amen. Amen. Faith City
1: Outreach can be heard Monday through Sunday at 4 p.m. Arizona time and 7 p.m. Eastern time. Psalm 117 Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol Him, all you peoples, for great is His love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Salmo 117, alaban al Señor, naciones todas, pueblos todos, cántanle alabanzas, grande es su amor por nosotros, la fielidad del Señor es eterna, aleluya, alabado sea el Señor.
0: You have been listening to the Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at program at gmail.com. The music used in this broadcast is provided courtesy of zapsplat.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.